Hello and welcome to episode 63 of the Sheffield Digital Podcast. I'm Ian Broom and I'm joined as always by directors Mel Kanarek and Chris Diamond. And this conversation, we're also going to be joined by some special guests. We've got Dan Kirby, co-founder of the tech department, Sarah Mackey, head of HR at Zoo Digital, and Mei Mei Lam, director of HR operations and site management at Wandisco. And in this episode, we are going to be talking about going back to the office or not, depending on which approach you decide to take. A slight spoiler there. Before we get on to all of that, I asked our panel, and we're going to call them a panel, uh, to give us a little potted history of uh, themselves and their company and their COVID experience over the last six months or so. Dan, would you like to go first, as you're the first on my little uh, list of uh, windows that I've got here on Zoom? Uh, yes, thank you. Yeah, I'll, um, well, uh, we've had a, an office in Sheffield for just over 16 years. Um, and in fact, until about three weeks ago, uh, which I'll, I'll come on to because we've now gone fully virtual. Um, but uh, my company is called The Tech Department, and uh, I founded the business with uh, 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 my uh, friend Richard Grundy. And uh, we make uh, custom web technology for people. Um, and we've done that for, like I say, for just over 16 years. And then, yeah, and we've got a small team. There's 11 of us. Um, and we've um, had a really interesting um, three or four or five months through lockdown. And uh, one of the results of which is, is we've gone fully virtual. So now I am no longer having an office in central Sheffield. I now exist on the cloud like a proper internet company. Dan, what, what were the drivers? What made you decide to go fully virtual and, and live in the cloud? <laughs> well, um, yeah, well, it, it, do you know what? Number one, money, right? So at the start of lockdown, I don't know, we're a service business and a, a lot of the customers, well, in fact, there's one, we just won this piece of business that was really big and it was a, a, a big company in the aviation industry, a global business. And, and back a week before lockdown, the CEO of this business said to me, Dan, this is critical, or sorry, essential to the future of our business that we do this project with you. And it was all looking amazing. And then lockdown hit. And of course, the aviation industry was perhaps the worst hit. And, and this massive project that was making us have our best quarter ever just evaporated. And I've been through you know, the recession in 2008 and other sort of ups and downs in our own business's history. And it was a real moment where I thought, oh my God, it's all going to end. You know, like this is it. It's the, it's the death knell of our business that's happening right now. And all that chaos, if you remember back in March and fear, and, and nobody knew what quite what was going to happen. Anyway, so we sort of, um, so in the middle of that, we were, our lease was renewing in July. So in the middle of all this sort of kerfuffle, fear and upset and uncertainty, um, our accountant, uh, our financial manager said, um, you know, the lease is up for renewal in July. And we thought, wow, we could save some money. <laughs> and that was the, the thing. And the, but what's interesting is in March, it was a really neat way to save money. But it felt radical. Like I really... Could you, it makes sense financially, but I'm not sure it makes sense culturally or let's call it brand, like, you know, like reputationally. 
how will we be perceived? And then in April, it was like, well, well it's actually, you know, we're quite enjoying working from home. So maybe, maybe this is a good idea. And then by the time we got to May, we were like, what, why, why would you have an office? <laughs> so there's this really interesting evolution of uh, the idea. And what was radical in March was inevitable in May. And, and this wasn't me, by the way. We, we were very open with the team about all of this. And everybody was like, yeah, no, we don't need an office. And um, so it, it actually flowed very naturally. Uh, and, and, and the irony is in all of this is, is that we actually work better remotely than we do with an office. And that was a total surprise and revelation. I mean, really. And the communication is the thing, basically, is we are far, far better communicators when we can't shout across the office. You know, like, mate, can you do that thing? And, you know, and then confusion happens. But when you can't do that, you have to be a little bit more linear. It takes a little bit longer, but the output's much smoother to get right. And so, so, in, so, so to, to answer your question, money is a, an important piece, but also um, uh, it's better. And we save two hours a day on commuting and, you know, a lot of money, personally, and our team. And we've got team, we've got young children and babies. And, you know, they don't have to, they can sit in the garden with the baby now instead of, being sat in the peace gardens <laughs> so you've you've raised some really interesting points about ways of working and culture and things like that which i'm sure we'll come back to but let's move on and and hear some other stories as well so um sarah from uh zoo digital tell us a little bit about your story uh yeah so um zoo digital is a, it's a cloud-based localization company so we help studios and content providers with subtitling and dubbing so we've been really fortunate i think we've that throughout this kind of pandemic and lockdown because of the nature of our business we were really lucky that we could continue as normal because everything's cloud-based um which was really great because it helped send everybody home so we've we've currently got 110 people working in the uk um, and about 135 in the US right now. So we're all home workers. Um, so we're very lucky that we could just continue straight away as normal. Um, but we've actually found very fortunate that during this pandemic, it's given us opportunities to grow as a business. So because of the cloud-based solutions, a lot of content providers have actually used us now as business continuity because they've been able to use their traditional dubbing studios. So all, all their voice actors are all in lockdown, so can't come together. So obviously there's been huge halts in, in production for a lot of studios at the moment. So it's been great. So we've been fortunate we've grown as a business, so, which is really good, but it does change things on the head. So we've, we've recruited and onboarded just in the, in the UK alone, 18 people since lockdown. Five of those have been software engineers in the R&D and quality insurance in the R&D sector as well, um, which is a huge amount of growth for us anyway, as a business, just normally. But all of a sudden we've thrown these questions of how we're hiring people we've never met via you know, video calls. How do we get people into the business? And 
get them to learn to understand who we are so that's been that's been a learning curve luckily we're in a smooth path now <laughs> i do apologize to our new stars at the start because they were all little guinea pigs from this whole remote onboarding experience of I'm joining a new company. I've never met anybody. I don't even know what the office looks like or anybody I'm working with. Um, but yeah, we're, we're working from home um, at the moment, but we have a, we did make the choice to open up our office about a month ago. So we've got offices in the city centre. And that was more from a health and wellbeing point of view. We were working productively from home and we can work from home. But throughout all this, especially in sort of in HR and the managers, it's been the health and wellbeing of our, our staff. So while we all were forced to work from home during these restricted lockdowns, actually there was employees that were completely isolated. They lived by themselves um, and they weren't seeing anybody. Um, there was computer issues. There was also in terms of mental health as well. Home working just wasn't working for some employees in mental health, from a mental health point of view, and that's obviously paramount. So we've introduced loads of things that we can do to help our employees while home working, Wellbeing Wednesdays, we have, we have virtual pub quizzes, I think because everyone was stuck. So the Friday night virtual pub quiz, it's not, it's not that good anymore, I'm not gonna lie. The pub, as soon as the pub's opened, my, the number of people wanting to get involved in my quizzes just went straight down. I'm hoping it's the pub and not my hosting skills in all fairness. Um, so we, we have, we've opened our office up now voluntarily. So people can come in if they want to. And those that are happy from working from home can continue to do that. But I think moving forward, I don't know. We've done some consultation and for us, we probably think it's going to be a more of a hybrid kind of setup. What's interesting for us is we've said to people, if you want to come in, you can. If you don't, don't worry. The new people we've hired, and we've hired a lot of new people, have all said, I want to come in the office. I want to have a sense of who Zoo is and who I'm working with, which I think moving forward is going to be a balance because it is that whole culture. For our established teams, they're established, they know Zoo, they know how everybody works, they've got their patterns, it's, they can continue as normal. But for our new starters and as a growing business, it, we're going to get even more, is they want to be in Zoo. They, they want that sense of culture of who we are and to meet people. So... I think that's going to be interesting over the next six months with no plans on opening it up just yet fully, but yeah, it'll be an interesting plan. So, so the new, your new hires, Sarah, are they, are they all local to Sheffield or does local now mean UK to you? They're all, so we, we've had a few in London because we've got a small London office, um, but most of them are local to South Yorkshire. Okay. Um, currently but that's an interesting thing that actually if remote working takes off local Sheffield you know you might be work for a Sheffield business but could happily be based in Southampton yeah yeah so I mean that's something I'm sure we'll, we'll come on to and we'll talk about what remote working used to be like before COVID and be before COVID and before companies really understood how to do it properly I think um, but uh, maybe we'll ask May to give us um, one disco story and uh, bring us up to date on what's going on there. Yeah, sure. Hi, um, my our story kind of mimics Sarah's quite a lot in in the fact that you know we um, we we shut down the office and we've kind of 
we didn't realize how long it was going to be. So sorry, before I start, Wandisco, we, we um, are a software company based in Sheffield. There's about 60 of us here. Um, and we deal with migration of data to the cloud. So, you know, during COVID, nothing changed. Um, obviously, we, you know, things went on. People still need our products probably more than, you know, ever. People are realizing the benefit of moving everything to the cloud. So luckily, we've been lucky in the fact that, you know, we've not had to kind of scale back or anything and it's business as usual. Um, so because we have a distributed team, so we've got a, t a team in Sheffield, in Belfast, and also in California, in San Ramon, um, we're used to working, you know, using Zoom and kind of, you know, not having people in the same room. Um, so everybody was used to this way of working already. It was just not the, the norm for a lot of people. Um, so when we all went to remote, we all had, you know, the equipment and um, the software to be able to do it but we did find that a lot of people um, depending on their setup at home they might not have had a desk they not might not have had a, an area in their house to, to work in you know some people are having to work from their dressing tables in bedrooms and stuff um, so that's been that's been a big challenge um, for some people um, we've been able to give people um, some allowance to, so they can buy what they need, you know, even simple things like lighting. In the office, we've got lovely lighting that, you know, um, you don't get glare on your screen. But if you're sitting in, you know, your kid's bedroom trying to work with poor lighting or too bright lighting, that can be an issue. Um, so, yeah, we've, we've just tried to make it as comfortable as possible for people without knowing how long it's going to actually be for. Um, so at first, I think like everyone, we just thought, oh, it's just going to be maybe a couple of weeks, maybe a few weeks. And then, you know, as we went on, it was like, OK, this is this is big. This is going to go on. Um, so we have made the decision we're not going to open the offices officially until January next year. Um, but we have offered, you know, if people do need to come into the office and um, some people, you know, they can't concentrate. They've got young children, even though the schools are back, you know, some people have younger children that might um, be around. Um, we've said, you know, if you want to come into the office and work, we will work something out. Uh, so far, nobody's requested it. There's been, you know, like I've come in this week for a couple of things, but um, nobody's requested to come back in and work, you know, full time or, or certain days of the week. So we'll see what happens for the rest of the year. Um, so yeah, we're kind of you know, we're, we're keeping an eye on what's going on, that the aim is, you know, in January, if everything is in place and people feel comfortable, they can come back in. But otherwise, we'll just, um, you know, be flexible as and when we need to be. Um, and like Sarah, we've been recruiting as well during during lockdown, which I agree has been really challenging, trying, trying to kind of think as a new starter, you know, you, you're not walking into an office on your first day, you're sat at home <laughs> waiting for things to happen. Um, so we've had to rethink, rethink how we do things there. And luckily, it's been successful. You know, everyone's been really helpful and tried to you know, remember that somebody sat at home that doesn't know other people and try and bring them into conversation so they can get to know who does what, you know. And we've tried to put little bios together of people so they can learn about who they are, what what they do in the team, and a bit about, you know, their personal kind of situations just so they, they build up a picture of who, who they'll be working with when they finally do come into the office. Um, so it's lots of little things like that. May, how did you how did you come to the, de the decision to uh, to not open up until January? What what's been the kind of the, the process of making these 
what I imagine feel like really important decisions for your, for your yeah. staff? I mean, we, we kind of assessed the situation and we thought, right, what, what needs to happen to make it um, safe for people to go in? And when we looked at it, we thought, you know, do people want to be sat um, in an office wearing masks or any kind of PPE, feeling nervous about getting too close to people, having to implement a one-way system, spacing people out? We were, we were thinking, you know, is the benefit of doing that more than, um, you know, does it outweigh coming in, you know, having people at home or you know what what's the best situation and we we came to the decision that you know everyone can do their job um there's no point putting people under pressure to come in because obviously if the office does open people feel like they need to come in and they might not be comfortable um and we don't you know we don't know what's going to happen with a second wave in the winter so we just thought you know we don't have to so we'll stand back and let all the businesses that need to go into town and use public transport and all that we'll let them you know, do their thing and and just lessen the burden on, you know, the healthcare system and, and everything else. Um. So that that's really interesting, kind of taking that big picture view about what it means, what the pressures might be on people if, if you do open up the office and weighing the benefits of being back in versus the stress of being back in. Um, I mean, Sarah, how have you gone about getting your employees kind of perspective on what they feel comfortable with? With, you know, just mentioned, it's it's all been employee led, really. We work, we work well from home and we can do it. So we've actually done a number of surveys and discussions um, just to consult the staff to say, Hey, have you got all the setup that you need? Because when you send 90 people, 100 people home one day, doing making sure everyone's got everything. Um, but just asking what they wanted. Um, so we decided that if everyone was happy at home, we would keep the office closed. Um, but we did have a number of employees come to us saying, actually, it's really not working. Is there any chance that I can go back to the office? Um, so at that point, we had a look at the numbers. Um, and then, we, yeah, we, we set up all the health and safety requirements to make sure that we could open the office safely to people actually put restrictions in as well. So we've got a limited number of people that can come into the office. Um, and yeah, we've, we've got now we've got people can come and go it's completely employee led. Um, so we have 17 people in um, on some days, which is quite a few people have started to slowly come back. And actually, what's strange is people come back and say, actually, I just want to come in two days a week. I just want to see a couple of people, get out of my house, see four different walls. Um, and through our consultations, the thing that people are missing the most is that kind of coffee chat. You know, you grab a coffee, water cooler chat. And we, we, they're able to do that in a sense. Even some days there's only six or seven people in the office. They say, actually, it's quite nice just to have six people in, someone to chat to. And I said, can I, can I increase it a day? I'm like, yeah, that's fine. Um, and so for those that they focus better, um, it gives them a better work-life balance, you know, we're happy to support those people, but it is completely, I think from an employee point of view, you have to listen to your employees yeah. and, and just fulfill their needs. And we've got a lot of employees as well who just aren't ready. The anxiety yeah. of, of going out with the pandemic is too much and, I think for any employer to force those individuals back to work right now, I, I, it just doesn't make sense at all from, from any point of view. Yeah. 
So, Dan, you were talking about how communication is actually better mm. now that you've made the decision to go fully virtual. But, but what happens about those conversations in the kitchen and, you know, when you're making a cup of coffee? Are you replicating that in a different way? Um, what's interesting just to just to pick up on a theme that I think everyone's talked about here is, is engaging with employees and and getting feedback and making people comfortable and and, and this there's a this there's a, this this relates to coffee table chat and coffee chat but I think there's, a, there's an interesting point here that I think if you haven't got a culture where you can actually well sorry the, the team can't actually tell you what they actually think then you've got a real problem right so, so an open culture is like probably the prerequisite for this working well. Yeah? And now what that means in practice is people need to be able to say things like, oh, I've cocked up and I need to take the kids to school. I've forgotten. I can't make that meeting. And, and you as the boss guy can't go harumph, harumph, you know, whatever. And, and I think there's a, there's a bit here where there's a sort of ebb and flow of the relationship. Now, so, so the communication is actually kind of, a, it's less about the information, it's more about the relationship, right, and the intention behind that. So, now, so obviously, fully remote, you can't replicate a literal coffee table type of thing, but I think it kind of articulates itself in a different way, right? So you, the ability to roll with the punches, to have a bit of chat, to make it not just like fully on the nail, like work from minute one of the meeting through to minute 59 and then end and then on to the next thing. And, 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 and you know, but, the, but there is, that is a thing, you know, like there is less chit chat in that way. Um, I, I am trying to be more intentional, like actually just reaching out to people, although I'm not entirely great at that. <laughs> like I'm, I'm trying to make that a habit. But um, here's the one thing we've done, one thing, and we did this almost from day one of, of lockdown. And it's, 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 so easy and it's like uh, and it's, it's a bit so effective is every morning at 9 30 we spend circa 15 minutes all on a zoom call and what we do is we share something positive that's happened in the previous 24 24 hours right and that could be positive to do with work or positive to do with home and it's really weird. I, okay, it sounds like something and nothing, and I know people do have get-togethers, but this very simple thing every day has become this kind of ritual where we all connect, we all get into a positive frame of mind, we share something that, like, so some, uh, our, our head of production was off yesterday because it was his daughter's uh, birthday, so he shared that he had a great time with 12 kids in his, in, his, in his garden. So you're kind of connecting there, and it's just, it's the it's almost the fact you the discipline to do it, forcing people to share. And I would I would argue actually I know more now about a lot of the, about many people than I did previously. When you would kind of march in, sit down to your, on your desk, and then talk to the people immediately near you, and not the people across the way. Yes, that's, Chris. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, I'm fascinated by work cultures anyway. Um, <clears throat> In the way, the way that you know companies and organisations, good ones, adopt things as cultural practices. So the way they solve problems, the way they communicate and share their knowledge, the way they induct people into the company, the way they prepare for meetings, you know, all of these these things that are, you know, 
just common things that all businesses have to do. You know, there's, you know, certain companies that are aware of this practice them as cultural practices. They do something around them. They, they make time in their schedule for them or they conduct things in a certain way or have a certain language or terms associated with the practice or they call it different things, you know. Um, so, you know, when I was uh, innovation director at Technophobia, we had a host of these and we would invent them, you know, when we needed to do things, we would give them names and we would put things on the wall to describe them and, and things like this. And so, so hearing about those kind of practices that have not just been converted to digital or converted to online and remote working, but are kind of born out of the affordances of the, you know, virtual communications mediums, I think is, is, is really fascinating. I, I wonder whether, um, whether Sarah and May have got similar examples or have thought about this in any detail as well. We, um, we've implemented something called Poets Day. I, I'd never heard of this before. It was uh, David Richards' idea. So it's, it stands for Piss Off Early. Tomorrow is Saturday. So every other Friday um, since we've been all remote, we stop with down tools at one o'clock. If we can, obviously, if there's a project that you can't, you can't. But, you know, the offer's there. And, you know, we used to do a lot of social events in the office. So we used to have um, 504 Club every month. So that was at 504 on a certain day of the week. Everyone would grab a beer, a bit of pizza, you know, hang out in the kitchen. Um, so this is a kind of way of doing that, which is nice because you get a, a free Friday afternoon. Uh, and the idea is we'd kind of host like a like an event. So there'd be a Zoom that if you want to just drop in, say hello, see some faces, you know, catch up with people, you can do that. Or there'll be a more organized like kind of quiz. We've done um, Family Fortunes, which was hilarious, hosted by our Belfast office where they dressed up in a bow tie and it, it was very funny. So we've started trying to do stuff like that. In the summer, we found, you know, because the weather was really nice, it died off a bit. People just wanted to go and enjoy the, the sun, you know, with their kids in the garden. But I think as the kids have gone back to school now, you know, you've got a bit of <laughs> a bit more freedom. Um, hopefully we'll, we'll see more people, you know, sign up to do these activities and the weather's not so great. So, you know, it's it, it, we'll see what happens. But I think, thought that was quite a nice idea uh, and it has been, you know, it has been successful. That sounds great. Sarah? Uh, I mean, similar to me, I think it's made business leaders be more creative now on how to, you know, it's quite easy. We'll just all go to the pub and have have a. Now we have to be a bit more creative about what we can do virtually. But I think I've really enjoyed that. It's been really nice. But following on from what, what you were saying as well is, I think some of the questions now is it's more communication. So the questions of how are you doing, which let's be honest, everyone always used to start when you're having a chat with your managers. It was always a how are you doing, but it wasn't. It wasn't a how are you doing. It was a let's just use this as a first step into whatever we were discussing, whatever meeting we're having. But now I think that question is, is more important than ever. And I think actually we're probably as managers or as leaders, we're getting more information from that question. So instead of, and this again rolls around to the culture you have, if you have like the open and honest culture that Daniel was talking about, is that you're more likely for your employees to go, do you know what? I can't cope. I'm, I'm really, I'm homeschooling the kids. It's taken me an hour for them to get a right a sentence. I've got these deadlines. And you're probably more likely if you're asking those questions to get more out of your employees and giving an opportunity to have those engaging conversations as well. So I think that's crucial. 
I, 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 on that particular point, 100%, right? So, so, so we've had, um, so Jen, uh, who works for us, has got uh, two daughters and they're quite young and it can be quite difficult and they were homeschooling. And we've had a few meetings where the youngest, who I think is five or six, has been having an upset. I've, um, I've, I have three daughters and they're a bit bigger than, than now. So I, I've got a history of, of dealing with upset young women. And <laughs> so, I've got, so basically I've got this whole series of like, uh, um, you know, it's like kind of emoji head things. Have you seen them? Like life-size emoji heads, hats that you pull on. So I had them kicking around. So I said, bring her on the call. And we spent the first five, ten minutes, me larking around with these different emoji hats on. And totally distracted the five-year-old. Totally sort of like, you know, it's just like a distraction. She was then settled, and then we could get into the conversation. So the, but the point is, it's like, you know... <laughs> And she was, and Jen was, Jen's very thankful for that because it just helps her. It's a bit of fun, so what? And I think the point is, is that's the kind of culture you gotta have, where it's like you can actually be really honest and playful and fun and, and roll with the punches. And it's, it just, I think it changes the dynamic actually of what work is, you know, like or how the sort of persona you bring to work. All right, so it's like not like I'm put on my suit and tie and go to the office and with my briefcase and do work. It's that. I'm, it's a sort of softer nuance to it, which has some negatives. I agree, I agree about the point about switching off. But, you know, you've got to roll with the punches a bit. And it also exposes children to your work. If they can see you working and see how you work and things like that. Yeah, it's, um, it's, um, I, I, I'm still, they still haven't quite worked out that I'm, I'm not just the bloke who, uh, for my daughter's mum is the one who does all the work. I just talk, talk on the computer. So, you know. That's all we all do, Dan. That's all we all do. <laughs> Extremely good at it. Uh, I definitely recognise this idea of, uh, of empathy. I've, I've felt that as a freelancer, it's, I've found it challenging at times uh, being like on my own, I guess. Um, but having different clients has allowed me to see different ways of people have sort of dealt with it. But, but across the board, I have four young kids, so I have similar problems. Uh, across the board, I've really despite being freelance, I felt really understood. People are going through a similar sort of experience. And I think that um, that seems to be quite consistent in the digital world. I'm sure there are examples where people have had bad experiences, but it does seem like we, we all understand the, the problems. I have had friends in other sectors where uh, the idea of everything being at home hasn't gone quite so smoothly. It's sort of bosses that haven't been quite so understanding about kids and working hours and all that kind of thing. But certainly that sense of empathy um, uh, across the board, so whether you're the boss or whether you're you know, a, a junior person, it's been kind of nice to see. And I certainly felt it. I, I've, I may have even have said this on a previous podcast. There was a moment right in the middle of lockdown. I'd had a terrible morning. And even though I hadn't said it out loud because I'm freelance and I can't show any weakness, I sort of found myself the first in a, in a, in a hangout with, uh, with, with, uh, with someone who didn't know me very well at all, quite a new client. And we were talking about kids, stuff like that. And then he, there was a pause and then he just went, Ian, you're right. And it meant the world. <laughs> he was practically a stranger. But for someone just to kind of recognize it and to say, how are you doing? And like you say, Sarah, he meant it. It was, uh, it was great. I mean, that might have happened if we were in an office and I was looking particularly upset, I suppose. But, uh, but that idea of empathy, I think, has come across really, really strong with the last few months and will be important going forward. 
Sarah, did you have something you wanted to jump in with? Uh, I just wanted to, to follow on from Dan's point that obviously about, about the emoji heads. I do think one of the great aspects about home working is for me, it's been a great leveler because it doesn't matter what position you are in the company. We've all had the moment where our cat has walked or our animal has interrupted our course. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love that. Happily interrupt me with an animal any day. Um, <laughs> we've, we've all dealt with the children coming in. What are you doing? And I, I just think it really kind of personalizes the business. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, I think it's great for employees to see a different aspect sometimes, especially for our senior leaders when, you know, our CEO or another kind of director is, is still having that. I think it's just a really nice opportunity to actually show we all have our business personas when we go into the office. Uh, when we're here working from home, I always think it's more of a natural persona. We're, we're all just trying to make the best of it. Um, and I hope that can, it's uplifted me. And I hope that kind of comes across to some of our employees as well. Do, do you think that's a, you know, a beneficial aspect to mental health? Do you think that's, that's improved people's mental health to have that level of, certainly from what, what Ian was saying, it feels like, the, the needs and the struggles of parents have become more obvious to, to the rest of the business and things that you, you felt it was professional to hide previously, there's no hiding anymore. So maybe a lot of those stresses are now more, much more in the open. I think so. I think it just shows that we're, we, are, we all have, you know, we all, we all try and look like swans, don't we? Gliding at work. And actually, I think this home working is actually giving people a bit of a glimpse of our little legs doing this underneath and actually can really help go, do you know what? It's okay. That, you know, <laughs> but I'll let, I'll let Daniel dance. I completely agree. And I think what's, again, there's an interesting piece here, and I'm hoping this will come out of lockdown, this sort of remains, is this sort of um, the, the authenticity, perhaps, or the, or the ability to be real, your true self, to be your real self, not this kind of persona. And I think this, you're right, people feel the need to maintain a persona because of professionalism or whatever. And you can't show weakness. And like to Ian's point about being a freelancer. And, and that's corrosive. Um, it's stressful. Sorry, it's, chronic, it's like a way of creating chronic stress. And, and, um, and so you, if you're maintaining a, a kind of persona, it's not really, really you because of reasons that are actually fake, but, you, but they're perceived by everybody that it's stressful and that burns you out and it's impacted negatively your mental health. And, and so I think the closer you can get your real self to your professional self and ideally make them the same thing, then that's just better for you. Again, talking about communication and relationships, you can actually be more authentic. And, and actually the more I am able to be authentic, the better I am at business and with my customers. And, and the same thing applies to my team. So I would hope that that's the thing that comes out of this is this sort of blurring of sort of professionalism and reality and, and you know, and that stays. So we have just better relationships. But this, is, this has long been an agenda of yours, Dan, hasn't it? And of tech departments. And I know you, you've run kind of festivals for, uh, for mental health and, yeah. and you know, pr avoiding burnout in the tech industry um, for, for, for years. Um, so I wonder, that's a really interesting kind of dichotomy, isn't it? Because you know, what you're saying is that we're able to be ourselves more because we're actually rem remote and separate from each other than we could when we're face-to-face -face in a physical environment. 
it's it's a kind of um, <laughs> excuse my French, but I I call this a, a, a start of lockdown. There was a suddenly like a negligee of bullshit that was ripped from my body, and I was left there standing naked and going oh, and all this crap that you believe in, is in boxer shorts. Yeah, I was there in my boxers going no no, and and it was kind of like you know it's just it's just funny you have all these things that you think are important, and it's a collective delusion. I can't show that I'm stressed because my kid's ill, because that's bad for my career. Well, that's just like a, well, it may, listen, maybe it is bad for your career, but maybe you should choose it. Maybe the, it's not the right company for you. But like, there's, it's, it's like the fear that we carry of being how other people will perceive you. And then the, the sort of maintenance of a, an idea of a sense of self that's a particularly polished version, perfect version of you. And you want to try and maintain that and sustain that. And, and, and so I, I, I mean, my potted history on this subject is I had a burnout experience about 15 years ago, built out of having a successful digital company and, you know, being, doing everything right. I then burnt out because I was partying and having lots of fun and not looking after myself and burnt out. And, and so, um, and then I was diagnosed with depression about six, seven years ago. <clears throat> and that was all down to, I now see, just not with this disconnect between my persona and who I really was. So the work I've done on myself for my mental health has been closing that gap, all right? So this idea of, so I'm sort of joking around, but it's a really serious underbelly to this, right? You know, all these things you think are important that, 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 that isolate you from who you really are, and then stops you being your true self, which creates stress, and the knock-on implication of that can be very serious, as it was for me. So the work we've done around mental health and well-being and burnout is to, to basically try and get our message out there. And, and so it's very much of the, our DNA of our company in terms of well-being. And you talk about well-being and mental health. And yeah, it, and it's about really allowing people to be themselves. And, and that's, for me, has, has been very uh, powerful to help me personally in my health. So you know, I would very much encourage it for any other business leaders is to get that right and you will get a a better life for yourself b a better a better team and better business because everyone's then rooted in what they really want to be i find it really interesting that that when we set up this conversation for the podcast you know the the theme was kind of on uh what are different companies are doing about their offices are they coming back or aren't they and what arrangements are they making and and it, it all felt quite practical, but as the conversations progressed, we've moved a lot more into what as companies we've learned from the experience of lockdown and how are we going to apply what we've learned to whatever future way of working each company goes. So, you know, in Dan's case, his company is remaining virtual and, and is, is applying learnings there with, with Zoo and with Wandisco, you're, returning to the office on different time frames and and working out the logistics of all of that but it i i guess my my sort of question is trying to do a bit of a crystal ball routine and thinking ahead to when the constraints of being within a pandemic let's imagine that they've lifted you know there's a vaccine or we've all got herd immunity or what, whatever what do you think your companies will be doing differently? Uh, what learnings will they have taken forward that are going to 
continue even when the pressure of of covid has gone um stick your hand up if you're ready with an answer to that one because that's a, a big question sarah it's i mean this is something we we've question at the moment and we're, we're looking into as a business and it, it's difficult because nobody knows where we're going to be um but kind of i think the first step is consulting with your staff really i think as a business you might make a decision but if it doesn't work for your workforce then it's never going to work um but i think the way we work is going to be completely changed i think for me personally and for our business there's going to be a need for an office what that office looks like is not going to be the office, I don't think, what we're in right now. It's actually probably going to be more of a collaboration area. So we do a lot of collaboration. So for me personally, what we're looking into is, are the offices going to be these hubs of collaboration where you go in and you, you get that chance to meet those colleagues? Because from our um, employees, that's the thing they do miss. They miss those interactions. So maybe the office is more of a place for collaboration, for hubs, for meeting, um, because the feedback from our employees is focused work, they like to do at home. If they want to crack on with a big project, they prefer to be at home. So I, I don't see Zoo ever going back to the whole, everyone's in the office, Monday to Friday. I think it's very much going to be a hybrid kind of approach, which meets the needs of the business and the needs of our employees to allow them more flexibility moving forward but still have that innovation and that collaboration with with each other as we grow mm. i agree yeah i think same for us it will be a hybrid you know certain things have worked really well remotely and then other things obviously you'll always benefit from being face to face with people um i think you sarah being in hr i think I miss a lot of interaction that isn't necessarily arranged. You know, you have conversations when you're in a group of people. Well, it's the same for everyone, not just HR. Um, you know, people in teams interact a lot more with each other. But when you're a smaller kind of function uh, with more kind of directed, you know, interactions with various people, you don't get as much from being sat at home on your own as you would in an office. So I have found that that side of things quite hard. Um, but um, from the developer's side, I know that, you know, they, they're all brilliant. They'll get on with the coding and they'll get on Zoom with each other. But I think there's, there's a challenge of when, if there's, a, if there's a meeting and there's a kind of bit of a conflict about the, you know, the working question, at the end of that meeting on a Zoom call, you'll hit end and you go off and you might be left with a feeling after that meeting that, if you were in the office, you might all just go and get a coffee and kind of, you know, have a bit of a debrief in your own kind of way with a colleague and say, oh, you know, you know, I really thought, you know, that wasn't right. And kind of, I don't know, do you know, do you know what I'm getting at where you can kind of lose some of that, um, that with, with remote working and some of that kind of interaction is really important I think just to make sure you know everything everything's still all right on a personal level you know we might have disagreed about something but you know no hard feelings whereas on a call it's more final final isn't it and you don't have that continuation of the conversation yeah that's I mean what what might be dealt with with a tiny with a micro interaction you know holding the door open for someone or you know asking if they want a cup of coffee or something really small then becomes a formal apology as soon as you start typing something into Slack. Exactly. 
yeah, I, I, I think there's a, there's a real clunkiness to that aspect of it. You know, that's a, a, and we've had like meetings, like new business meetings, and you put the call down. It's been a good meeting, but you want to get some feedback from your colleagues. And then suddenly there's, there's this massive kind of administrative task to sort of get a, a, like a two minutes conversation done. So you spend more time arranging the call than you do actually having the call. Um, yeah, I mean, for us, so we've committed to go fully virtual. And, and, that's, and we're not like dogmatists about this, but, you know, so I'm not to say, you know, I think the idea of a collaboration space is, is I think you're completely correct. It's like, that's really what the value is of the office. Um, but what's interesting, actually, that the, ex, the exercise of committing to go virtual has had this other, like, liberating thought experiment thing go on, where it's like, okay, well, what is the office? or an office, or work, or a culture, or our relationship, and it's really been interesting. So suddenly it was like, well, hang on, where are we based? You know, are we in Sheffield or not? And actually, we had this sort of really interesting sort of conversation where it was like, well, actually, we could work from anywhere. I mean, there's literally no reason that I couldn't work, go and move to Brighton tomorrow, uh, or whatever. And then, then we had this chat where we were saying, and this, by the way, is very much a kind of, high concept but we said well we could with the amount of money we've saved on rent we could we could get an airbnb in bali for a month and fly everybody out there with their families and work from from there that is something we could do are you hiring content people at the moment dan um <laughs> and and there you go <laughs> for a recruitment strategy that would be a good one but yeah, podcasts? I mean, the job's yours. Like, yeah, you can, <laughs> uh, yeah, but, but, but yeah, I mean, but the point being, why not? By the way, there's a very good podcast, uh, sorry, a TED Talk, a guy called Stefan Sagmeister, who's a designer, creative. He talked about the power of, um, uh, what do you call it, um, uh, sabbaticals. And he tells the story of how he took his team to live in Bali for a year, which is why Bali is in my head, because I've watched this. So I'd very much recommend watching it. It's really great. Um, but so yeah, okay. So tech department is based in Berlin this quarter, or it's based in New York, or Abu Dhabi, or Bali. What does it matter? If our customers are happy and getting delivering, we're delivering our promises to them, and we're happy. Who cares, right? So we can work from anywhere. It's not about working from home. And and we've actually literally, by the way, had two guys who've gone on holiday, quotes on holiday. So they've not taken holiday, but they've gone on holiday with their families and they're working in the cottage in Whitby while their kids are on the beach. Then at lunchtime, they get on the mountain bike down to the beach, play with the kids, come back and do the afternoon's work. So, you know, so it's working from holiday. It's like, you know, but they're not taking holiday. <laughs> so they're, they're getting all the peripheral, 80, 80% of their days is, is or, or sorry, most of their days is, is on holiday. Yeah, this is true. This, I mean, this brings up, a few years ago, I was working with the Isle of Wight um, on, on their digital regeneration strategy. And one of the ideas that we were developing was, the, was, was creating retreats for development teams. Right. So, you know, you get, you, they, they were building out their gigabit fiber network. Um, they had some, some great properties on the seafront. Um, you know, the idea that you could advertise to London-based development teams to come to the island for a week or for two weeks, have, you know, complete access to their development environments, uh, but have 
um, you know, a bunch of holiday, you know, R and R stuff kind of arranged. You know, you can go on trips, you can go sailing, you can go. You know, it was all kind of packaged up, and that you know, our, our idea was that companies would pay for this to give their teams a bit of a change of scenery without you know losing or if anything gaining some productivity for doing so. Um, but I, I think ideas like that are going to spring. I mean, it seems to me like you know, there, there might be the opportunity to do these kind of things with the facilities that allow digital teams to operate from these locations springing up. I think there's a big opportunity there. Not, not you know, not city centre co-working spaces, but, but places that are a bit more, in a, in a, you know, have more leisure access. Marvellous. Well, I, I think we've probably uh, used up all of our time and more, but that, I really enjoyed listening to all of that. And it's great to hear from... Uh, such different perspectives as well. I think it's really interesting. I think that the one thing that we probably can all agree on is it won't be the same as it was before, but I think we knew that within about 30 seconds of uh, lockdown starting, didn't we really? Um, so thank you everybody. Thank you, Dan, Sarah and, and May for, for joining us. Um, I really appreciate your, your time. My pleasure. I'll see you soon. Yeah, thanks, thanks so everyone. much. Thank you. Nice to talk to you all. And that's it. Thank you for listening. Hope you found that interesting and useful. I know that we did. If you'd like to subscribe to the Sheffield Digital Podcast, always a sensible thing to do, although you only do it once, I suppose. You can do that on Apple Podcasts, which is where most people do it, or you can go to whichever podcast catcher, player, provider you would prefer. Totally up to you. And you can find out more, of course, by going to the Sheffield Digital website at sheffield.digital slash podcast. And that's it. We shall speak to you soon.